We're looking at Nehemiah. Uh, story so far, you've got Nehemiah, who's a Jewish exile in Persia. And um, he's, he, so he's the cupbearer to the king. Um, some Jews visit where he is in Persia. He asks them about the welfare of Jerusalem and say it's a mess, it's broken down, it's rubble, it's a ruin, everyone's in a bad way. And so Nehemiah mourns and weeps and fasts and prays and God puts something in his heart. Go back and rebuild the wall. Go back to your city and you rebuild the wall of that city. He takes it to the king. The king shows him favour and, and then he asks for resources so he can have timber from the forest. Yes, yes, yes. They go back. They get to the city of Jerusalem. Nehemiah goes out at night. Him and just a few others surveys the whole city, the wall, and looks at the job ahead of him. And, um, and that's where we're up to at this point. The reason why we today in London, 21st century, are getting excited about it is because it's a picture that points towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Nehemiah is a prefiguring of Jesus who comes to build his church. And the reason why we get excited about the Lord Jesus building his church is because the church in the heart of God is an incredible and beautiful thing. And as Jesus laid down his life for the church, that shows you something of the dignity that he places on his bride that he loves. And the church does not exist for itself. The church exists for, exists for the glory of God and for the, and for the worship of its saviour and its groom, the Lord Jesus Christ, and exists as the hope of the world. A city set on a hill that's supposed to shine out the light of Jesus. And so we are looking through this story with our Jesus glasses on. The Bible teaches that all, the, all these other things before Christ were like a shadow pointing to him. In him is the fulfilment of every other thing in the Bible. So whenever you read the Old Testament, always look for Jesus because it's all about him. And it all points towards him. So we're getting excited because we're saying, Lord, what are you showing us about what we are building here together? Well, today's message is called Unlikely Army Part 1. Next week will be Unlikely Army Part 2. And we're going to go from chapter 3. We're going to read the first 16 verses. We're not going to read the last um, 16 because they're just very, very repetitive. Um, You'll get the drift after the first 16. Okay, here we go. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zakur, the son of Imri, built. The sons of Hassan had built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakoz, repaired. And next to them, Meshalem, the son of Berechiah, son of Mesejabel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Barna, repaired. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their lord. Joida, the son of Pasiah, and Meshalem, the son of Besadiah, repaired the gate of Yeshanah. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. And next to them repaired Melatai, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Meronothite, the men of Gibeon and of Mizpah, the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them Uziel, the son of Harariah, goldsmiths, repaired. Next to him Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them Rephiah, the son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. Next to them Jediah, the son of Haramath, repaired opposite his house. And next to him Hattush, the son of... Hashabnia repaired. Malkijah, the son of Harim, and Hashab, the son of Pahath Moab, repaired another section and the tower of the ovens. Next to him, Shalom, the son of Halahesh, ruler of the half district of Jerusalem, repaired. He and his daughters. Hanan and the inhabitants of Zanoah repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars, and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. Malkijah, the son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth. Hakarim repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. And Shalom, the son of Kohose, 
ruler of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He rebuilt it and covered it and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. And he built the wall of the pool of Shelah of the king's garden as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. After him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, ruler of half the district of Bethsur, repaired to a point opposite the tombs of David as far as the artificial pool and as far as the house of the mighty men. Thank you. I was waiting for that. It was quite a feat that you just heard. Lord God, we thank you for your beautiful word. And thank you, Lord, that even in elements of it like this, that at first reading, we would skip to the next chapter. We thank you that there's stuff in there. And now, Lord, as we unpack it, I pray that life would come in a beautiful way. We pray this so that Jesus would be glorified so that our lives, Lord, would really reflect what they are to reflect. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I mean, what do we make of this? Well, other than it being a little bit like a list from the Lord of the Rings, you know, it's got that kind of, you know, so-and-so from Middle Earth feel about it. Um, what, what, what are we going to pull out of here? Well, like I said, the title is The Unlikely Army, Part 1. Partly because... This reflects that, we'll look at that in a minute, but also because one of the things that God spoke over us as a church in our earliest days was that you will be an unlikely army, which we loved. We absolutely loved that, we've held to that, we've treasured that, and we've really actually deliberately um, rejected, if you like, this mindset that says we will do well because we are impressive people. Or we will do well because we are qualified people. Or we will do well because we are confident people. We will do well because God is with us. Bottom line. It's always been this way. The Bible says that actually in the, in the wisdom of God, he has chosen the weak and the foolish. Because the world, in its wisdom, hasn't come to know him. God has been pleased through the foolishness of the gospel of preaching the cross to save Many, to save those. And, the, and he has chosen those who are weak and foolish to make a mockery of the, of, of, the, of the wisdom of the world, which says, if you want to do something amazing, you need amazing people. In God's economy, if you want to do something amazing, you need an amazing God. And a willing people, and an available people. It's not about being an amazing people. In fact, if you're here and you think you're an amazing person, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. You're, you're not going to quite know how to fit here. Because that's not what this church is. This church, in, in a natural sense. There's loads of amazing gifts. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But we're, this is not a church who's fundamentally full of people who are full of themselves. It's, we're a people that are amazed by the grace of God. We're a people that feel like this thing we're about is way beyond any of our sufficiency. Because we're not just trying to put on a good little thing or put on a little performance every Sunday. You know, we actually feel that we are here, we are carrying promises from God in our hearts to play our part in seeing this part of London changed so that it might glorify Jesus more. That's, I mean, that is huge. That is a massive thing. Even if you think, well, that doesn't sound very impressive, I'll tell you, it's glorious. Just imagine for a moment that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And at the moment, the, the earth is on a trajectory away from the Lord in a bid for autonomy and doing our own thing. And the Lord, through his church, is calling and gathering people back 
Even today, just through the praise and worship, constantly the sing, the lost, God's wanting the lost, God wa- God's wanting to welcome people home constantly and embrace. And as the Bible says, smother them with kisses. Not a dignified welcome. It's not a dignified, it's a, ah, I've got your back. Let's, let's celebrate. And God has called us to express that heart to those around us, those we live around, those we work around, those we do life around. It's an incredible calling. It's an incredible, miraculous thing. And God has called together an unlikely bunch. And he's taught us and he's teaching us how to love one another and work together and honour one another and prefer one another and to lay our lives down for one another and to be committed to one another in a covenant way that it costs but it's beautiful and it's deep and it's rich. And it's not just I go there on a Sunday. It's I am part of this. I am part of this thing. Wow. It's an unlikely army. It's like Gideon's army. Like the 12 disciples. Bless them. Don't laugh too much at them. You're just like them. That's what we're looking at. That's where we're going today but what does it look like well here's what it looks like just a few things we're going to put out just unpack it it's quite practical it's quite you know it's quite unlike me (laughs) I know I'm not very practical but that's what this is so there's just some real practical stuff here number one they're not going saying let's build a new city They're, they're not looking for the new they're looking for the old so they can repair it right that's the plan it's not let's create a new city it's no God knows what he wants his city looking like and what the parameters are what it's really about let's find what that is and rebuild it. And so as a church, we're not looking for novelties. We're not looking for... You might think, well, those guys are modern. Yeah, we might be modern. Our music might be modern. We might dress modern. We might speak modern. That's all fine. But you're actually about something ancient. That, we are not about something new. Now, the, 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 the kind of... It's always a bit of a delicate balance. When, when God restores ancient things, it's brand new. So it's always incredible, like, wow, this is like, this is like life, this is like sharp, this is, wow, what's God doing among us? Well, it's something totally fresh and totally new and completely ancient. And if you miss it, you get it wrong. If you just go for the new, you end up innovating and just creating your own little thing, your own little idea. And it's kind of fresh and funky, people go, hey, that's cool, but really, that's really all you're doing. You're just doing something cool. It's not glorious. But if you go the other way wrong, you say, well, this is ancient, so we better get ancient, guys. Come on, Hessian robes, you know, we've got, you know this is going to be old-fashioned. That's crazy. There's no need for that. You're, just, you're not going to be able to function properly in the, in the community. And who wants to wear Hessian anyway? You know, I mean, you know, it's just, there's no need for it. You can be contemporary, but you're about something ancient. The Spirit of God is doing something new, but it's always to restore that which is old. Which is what? The gospel. It's about the gospel. God is excited about the gospel. God is excited about the fact that he has established his king. He's chosen his once for all eternal king, his beautiful son. And he's established him as king in the most extraordinary way. In the most shocking, sublime way that no one would have ever planned or put forward. That this, that this eternal king, that this beautiful divine son would, be, would become a man. In all the mystery of that. And experience what me and you do day to day. It's beautiful. If you're here and you're thinking, man, the pressure's on, he knows what it's like. You're here and it's, there's the temptations on. You're here and it just feels like you're not. You're here and you're thinking this season is nice. You've been through the whole thing. You've been through the whole thing. You've been through the whole thing. 
just up and do something I'm not going to get the last thing you want is a kind of church culture where everyone's kind of waiting for orders from HQ as to you know what colour socks to wear today you know we don't want to go down and what do I do now tell me what's the next thing listen we're going to we'll paint the broad brushstrokes in terms of vision and values and let's do this in relationship but hear God don't please do not get into this thing of I'll come along I'll listen to a sermon I'll go home. If someone asks me to do something, I may do it. No, dream dreams with God. Hear from God. Let, let the life of God motivate and provoke you into, into getting on with rebuilding. Here we go. We, this is what we see in this story. We see, we, see, we see it. Remember the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer, where the, the Israelites are meant to be fighting the Philistines, but it's just passive. Even the king, he's just passive. 
And Jonathan just says, you know what, I'm going to just go and attack these guys and who knows, maybe God will be with us and maybe we'll get some success. His iron bearer goes, okay, I'm with you, heart and soul. And they go and just a mighty victory. Just a mighty victory. Why? Because someone did something. Someone did something. Do something. You've got the spirit of God living in you. Do something. Let's talk about it. Let's do it in relationship. Let's, let's, make, let's make sure we're marching in step. Yeah, but do something. This is, this is how it should be. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing. God gives vision. Leaders cast it. People get it. Let me get moving. And then verses 3 and 4, which is there's a mixture of building, rebuilding and repairing. It's building and it's repairing. It's not just building, there's repairing as well. And in, in, in church life, that, that, that sh- there should be a dynamic going on of saying, we're building this, and others coming along saying, great, we're going we're gonna to make sure it's okay. So if someone starts a gospel community as a visionary leader, we're going for this. Okay, they're going to need someone to help pastorally, someone to help with organisation. Building! Great, we're going to repair it. <laughs> we'll follow behind you, repairing it, pulling up the gaps, because you're, you're going somewhere. Yeah? There's a building and there's repairing. There's, there's winning people for Christ. Just, just, people, just winning people for Christ. But then once someone's come to Christ, that's really the start of the journey. Then we've got to do some repairing. Because people get hurt in life. People get really hurt in life. I mean, when I came to Christ, I was messed up. My whole thinking was so screwy on so, I mean, so many things. I'll give you one example, authority figures. Terrible. I just, just couldn't do them. Of any sort. Remember, I had a girlfriend. I was go- <laughs> which isn't, isn't great if your girlfriend is the pastor's daughter, which was the situation. And I, every now and then I'd, I'd go to her house, and, and then one day her dad said to me, the pastor, he said, why is it that when I walk into the room, you physically stiffen up? Didn't even know I was doing it, but I was. As soon as he said it, I was like, yeah. Why? Because the whole... The whole Dad experience for me wasn't good. So I didn't, didn't really want to be around him. I remember once sitting in a youth group meeting with one of the other pastors there, and they were talking about various things, and I said publicly in front of everyone to him, I said, I don't like you. New Christian, 18-year-old, looked at one of the pastors in front of everyone and said, I don't like you. And he looked at me and he said, well, I like you, Steph. <laughs> God starts dealing with you. God starts dealing with you. It's just repairing. So we've got to be a place where we're building. Come on, what are we going for? Yeah, but we're repairing, always. Making sure. God restores. It's not just, it's about coming. God's plan is to make you like Jesus. That could involve a lot of repairing. <laughs> yeah? It's not, I mean, you know, we all, need a, we, are all, we all need a lot of restoring and a lot of repairing. Thank God for his patience with us. But we can put our lives in his hands. But there'll be people. We, 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 people are involved in that. We're, we're invo- God involves us. He involves us in one another's lives to help build and to help repair. It's a very, very important thing. And then verse 5 is a bit of a sad verse. Next to them the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their lord. Some people are just too special to serve. Just a bit too special. Can't, Can't do that. The terrifying thing is they actually get a mention. You think, oh, mate. One commentator says this, they refused to give any assistance to it with their purses or presents, but withdrew from it. This is observed to their disgrace when the common people of their city were ready to work and did. 
And there's something here. I just want to, you know, I want to say, if there's anything in your spirit that's just kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> Careful. Not good. Not good. You may be the most amazing, I don't know, you may be like a session musician. And you're going to join a church as a, I'm a session musician. Cool. But you might be on your chairs for the first year or two. Yeah? Not because we don't like session musicians. We love session musicians. But that might not be where the gap is at the moment. It might be somewhere else. And we need you to just get involved and help us out. And at that point, I would ask you to stoop to serve the Lord. What was that psalm? You know, I'd rather be a, a doorkeeper in your house than something else somewhere else. I remember the rest of it. <laughs> yeah? It's like a privilege. It's a privilege. So it's just a privilege to be part of God's church. We're part of your plan. We, we, I honour you. They're, I mean, you know, I'm not, this isn't sort of a rebuke. Man alive, this church is incredible. This church is absolutely incredible. It's just to be a part of it is an honour and a privilege. And to serve alongside you is an honour and a privilege. And when I come in every few months with a new idea about the chairs, you're so gracious to me, you set up guys. Thank you so much. And I know I'm really anal about it and all of that. And you're just really kind to me, so thank you. God's, I mean, you know, God's brought together an amazing group of people. There's a lot of grace, there's a lot of grace, there's a lot of grace on us. There is a lot of grace on us, you know that. And we need to be thankful for that. You know, we must just boast in Christ and say, wow, Lord, you're doing something lovely. And it's all you, and we honour you, and we thank you. And um, we make sure that every, we, we live in the good of the... Every good thing we have, we've received, amen? It's not sourced in us, yeah? So we can acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah, I'm good at that, yeah. But it's not sourced in me. It's from him. It's, ever, it's from him. Every good thing. Is, like, so I was in the office the other day. It was quite funny. And um, doing a little video blog. And at the end of it, Sally Utting, who is the most encouraging person in the world, said, you're amazing at that sort of stuff, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And uh, <laughs> Foxy was like, just creased up laughing. And I thought, it's cool. I think I, think I might be, actually. But it's the grace of God. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's fo- I've received it. I've received it. That's cool. Yeah? So you, st- you stay away from some weird kind of false modest. Do you know what I mean? You think, no, I'm good at that. I'm good at that. And I'm not going to say, no, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. If it was the Lord, it would be much better than that. <laughs> it, do you know what I mean? It would be much better. It wasn't the Lord. Trust me. Yeah? It was me. It was me. <laughs> but there w- there's a grace from God, received from God, to be able to do these things. And, you know, and it's like, let's rejoice in that, celebrate in that. But, you know, that's cool. It's just everything we have, we've received. God is good. God is kind. Hallelujah. So, and then we've got, I love this, verse 8. Look at this. So we've got, so everyone's building walls. So you're imagining sort of people like me, kind of chunky, muscular. That's what you're thinking, right? <laughs> and, um, or people like Gabriel. Okay, so, um, so Gabriel's doing his thing. But look, verse 8, we've got goldsmiths and perfumers. A perfume guy. I mean, I don't want to be judgmental, but you're thinking, I wonder... Do you know what I mean? Like, it's cool. Your perfume, I don't get... You just, I wouldn't imagine... The, in my mind, the perfume is not the guy that, that makes his own patio. Do you know what I mean? He's not that guy. He gets someone in. Yeah? He's like me. He gets someone in. Yeah? But the perfume is built. You think, what? This is surprising. This is incredible. The goldsmith. You think, Goldie, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're playing with bricks. It's like you're normally... You've got the good stuff. You're picking up bricks and you're... What's going on there? They're just... Listen... Building Jesus' church is not about a few professionals doing, doing their special thing. It's about people saying, I'm in, I'm here. 
I'm in, I'm here. I might do this Monday to Friday, but I'll do this Sunday. I might do this Monday to Friday, food bank Saturday, I'm there. No worries. It's not about a few professionals. I tell you, if church ever becomes that thing, there's a few professionals getting paid to do the stuff. Whoa. That's horrible. That church is on its way out at that point. The church is the body. The body of Christ. It's not a hierarchical system. We are the church. At this season, it seems probably the wisest thing to release me to be able to do what I do full time. That season might change and that'll be fine. It's not something that's like, you know, it's just God gives grace. People do different things and we try and make it work as it's going to be as best possible for the church. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. So just, we need to just be all, have that in our hearts. It's a beautiful thing. And then we've got verse 9. We've got a city ruler, city, uh, the ruler of half the district of Jerusalem repairing. What are you doing up there? You like rule half the city. Yeah, well, just so everyone involved. I just wanted to be involved. It's just like, wow. We should expect people from every layer of society to be among us. We should expect those who are in the, in the public eye, influential, celebrity. We should expect all of those people to be increasingly among Jesus' church, as well as those at the most obscure end or the most marginalised end of society to be in the church, mixing it up together in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Absolutely. And so it's vital that you don't get into a, a worldly mentality of saying, well, who looks like me? I'll go and speak to them. Please don't do that. Please, please, please don't do that. Because if everyone does that, we end up subtly undermining the gospel. Jesus broke down every wall. Not so that we could all go, oh, that's nice, the wall's broken down. No, so we can go and have a cuddle with that person that previously we couldn't get to. That's why. So we can build relationships, so we can learn how to connect, so we can, so we can do these things. It was so that we might go, whoa, it's, yeah, it's like Berlin Wall stuff. Hey, long time. You know, that's the idea. It's the gospel. It's a beautiful thing. We should expect all kinds. And so I want to charge, revelate, those of you that aren't just visiting Revelation Church, I want to charge you to be bold and to be brave and to connect with those in church that you would not normally connect with in normal life. You do that, if we all do that and invest in that over time, something beautiful will be established here. Whereas if you all just kind of hole up in our comfort zones, it's not going to go so well. So come on, come on. All kinds of people. And then penultimately, verse 12, we've got, we've got next to him, we've got another ruler. But not only that, he repaired with his daughters. It's fantastic. It's family, it's a family thing, it's a family thing. It's a family thing. And um, it's... We've got, we are slowly but wonderfully, there are more and more families in the church. And I'm just thrilled. Just thrilled. And may there be load and load more families. I just can't wait for the day when this place is filled with kids everywhere. Like, you know, crawling through your seats in praise and worship. When that happens, it's a good day. It's a, just don't tread on them. But it's, a, it's a good day. Loads more grey hair and blue rinse. We want that here. We want that here. We want family. Yeah? Intergenerational. I long for it. We should be praying for it, saying, God, yeah, we desire and want, want that. It's a beautiful thing that God is doing. And, and then to those of us that you know, are privileged to kind of be on location with family, whether that's parents or siblings or 
husband or wife and kids or whatever, just say, come on, let's, let's get involved together. I mean, to be able to bring Daisy to her first family meeting last week was amazing. It was, she didn't understand half of it, but who cares? You know, she enjoyed it. She hung out with Thule. It was fun, you know. I mean, so it, it's just, you think, yeah, just get her in. And she said, I understood most of it. So I was like, great, brilliant. Probably just my bit she didn't, you know. But, you know, it's, it's lovely. And we say, I, wanna, I don't want to just get into mentality of, I hope my kids survive. I hope, well, I hope they kind of get, get through. No, come on, we're about something. We're about something together. Your teenagers are not going to be about surviving. They're going to be about thriving. They're going to be about flourishing. They're going to be about just, just knowing Christ. And I'm sure we'll have our moments and all of that. You know, I'm not being idealistic, but that's the vision. That's the vision. That's what we're going for. And I want to put that into your hearts too. And then finally, verses 15 to 16, it talks about building near the king's garden, near the tombs of David, where the house of the mighty men, these were figures from a from sort of couple of centuries before, who, who were the big guys? King David and his mighty men. I'll read to you about some of the mighty men. Just listen to some of these stories for a bit. It's just beautiful. Listen to this. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Oh, no. <laughs> Josheb, Bashabeth. Well, I'm not going to do names this time because that's sort of, I'm, I'm, I can't do those names anymore. But listen to what they did. He was chief of the three. He wielded his spear against 800 whom he killed at one time. Now, we're not going for the killing thing, but it's like, it's just this, in, in case you're unfamiliar with sort of Christian thinking, basically, in those days, God's judgment, which is still, God's still, still the judge, but God's judgment was executed and worked out in a different way in those days. Okay? The Bible talks about the age we live in as the age of salvation, where God is holding back his judgment, until the final day so all can be saved. So we don't go around spearing people, all right? Just, just so you know that. Okay, but in these days they did, and it, it was kind of cool. Okay, right. Verse 9, in its context. Next to him, someone else, son of someone else. Listen to this. He was with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel withdrew. So he's there, he's standing up against the Philistines, and the rest of the Israelites withdrew. He rose and struck down the Philistines till his hand was weary and it clung to the sword. Some Bible versions say it froze to the sword. So he's fight, holding it so long that he couldn't even, you know when you're, when you're gripping and you can't get your hands off, it clung to his sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day and the men returned after, only to strip the slain. And then there was someone else. The Philistines gathered where there was a plot of lentils and the men fled from the Philistines. But he took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and struck him down. And the Lord worked a great victory. And he talks about all sorts. One who went down to a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. I mean, they were just like crazy guys. But they would do anything for their king, anything for their God. And the Bible describes them as faces like lions. Wow. What a mighty, what mighty ones, mighty warriors for the glory of God. So when they're building, they're remembering, you know, King David, we're building by the tombs of David. Oh, this is where the mighty men used to live. It brings it all back. And I tell you, God has not changed. And the glory of God has not changed. And he wants to raise up lion-faced warriors who will pray for salvation of people, who will reach out, who will step out of their comfort zone, who will go for some stuff, who will go for some stuff, not on the grounds they're in and of themselves, they're amazing, because they look at themselves and say, I'm unlikely, but on the grounds of what God has said and what God has put in their heart, we'll go for some stuff. And the Lord will work great victory that day and this day. We absolutely believe that with all of our hearts. I thank God when I look back over the last six years and say, look what God has done. There's memories, there's mighty men, Memories, there's moments, there's moments of Dan Hayter preaching outside Coco Nightclub and getting cigarettes 
thrown at him. Maybe you didn't hear about that one. And he picked them up and he chewed them. No, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. <laughs> Many have been rescued from just a lackluster life in Christ. Many have been rescued from just kind of spiritual pain and coming limping. God's done a beautiful thing. Even thinking of our precious Saucer. We met on our first Alpha course and just to see the transformation God's brought in her life. These are victories and we build with these things in mind saying, more Lord. We love everything. Praise God for the obstacle course that started this week. Three people come along to find out more about Jesus, asking their questions, working stuff through. May we see mighty victories there and more, Lord. That's what we're about. That's what we're about. What we have in this chapter here is a gathering of those from varied locations and varied vocations who gather to a transcendent cause. Like us. There is a cause. The Father's plan is that everything should be gathered together under Christ. And then when everything's gathered together under Christ, on the final day, the Bible says that Christ himself will hand over that kingdom to the Father so that God may be all and in all. That's the plan. That's where it's going. He who created all things, he who, he who upholds all things by his powerful word, will through Christ reconcile to himself all things. And we are part of that. And it breaks down into day in, day out, nitty-gritty, working out in relationships, serving, and all of that stuff. But it's a glorious purpose. Do not lose sight of that. Amen?